I know, I know, I agree, I agree, I agree. We're we're down the rabbit hole here. We're getting into divorce. We're this is becoming a divorce <laughs> podcast. We are not divorce lawyers. Podcast. I'm not divorced yet. Yeah, I mean, I guess I mean I know the odds are high, Thomas, but damn, relax, relax, relax. Dude, last girl was a Packers fan, man. I I can't date anymore. Welcome in to another episode of the Pinewood Perspective. We're going into week nine. Week eight just finished up. So that means officially we are like at the halfway point. Week nine considered the middle week of the season. Once this week's over, half of football season is over. And it it's really tough to kind of deal with because it's just, it goes so quick every season. And I'm just trying to enjoy it while it's still here because as, as excited I am about the offseason, it's it's a quick season and it's tough. But we got a star-studded cast today. JB hopping on for the first time in a hot minute. Justin Matthews back with us. Thomas Gorski back with us. <clears throat> Only missing Brett today. That's it. Otherwise, there'll be five of us on here. We've got a lot to talk about. We've got Packers and Buck struggles. Denver winning in London. We've got a lot of NFC North chatter. Chicago, Minnesota. Um, talking about Miami as well. The trade deadline just happened. You got Claypool, Roquan Smith, Bradley Chubb, Chase Edmonds, Hawkinson, Calvin Ridley, all on the move. And as always, we're going to finish the show up with our power rankings, top five teams in the NFC and in the AFC, and our week eight predictions or week nine predictions guys how we doing i'm good not too bad not too bad pretty good man pretty good um rest in peace takeoff been a sad week let's get it going segment number one denver sneaks out with a win over jacksonville and nathaniel hackett saves his job for the time being should he remain on the hot seat T. Gorski, kick us off. Yeah, I mean, I think, we, you know, we just saw them trade Bradley Chubb. Like, it's clearly there's going to be changes in Denver. Um, so I think he's going to remain on the hot seat. I mean, it's just a matter of time. It's, it's, you know, he might survive the year if they get out of it, just because, like, you know, what's the point? Just let him coach <laughs> it out. But, I mean, I, I don't foresee him be, coming back. I mean, I think they're going to fire him. New ownership involved. They didn't hire him. You know, ownership took over after Hackett was fired. So, I mean, there's clearly no loyalty um, with the new ownership involved in Denver. I mean, Hackett is just overwhelmed. He doesn't know what he's doing. The offense is a mess. I know they've got some injuries like with Javante Williams and others, but nah, it, it's just been a disaster. And I think you need to bring in a coach that, like, Russell Wilson prefers. Uh, he's Russell Wilson's the investment. They gave up the farm for him. So I think you need to bring in someone that Wilson's familiar with and you need to bring in a coach that could play to his strengths because right now you, the way Russell Wilson is in that pocket, Hackett clearly does not see what's going on or what to improve on. Uh, maybe a new coach will do that. Um, Jonathan Gannon, that's a name to keep an eye out for uh, when and if that job becomes available. So yeah, I think the hot seat remains hot 
you know, it's just a matter of time. He's going he's gonna to be let go. It's just a matter of when, not if. I mean, I feel like Dan Quinn's got to be the number one option there almost. Oh, it's very possible. Dan Quinn was a finalist <laughs> last year. Um, but I, I do think Jonathan Gannon from Philadelphia is going to get a head coaching job. Him and Quinn were definitely in the running last year over Hackett. Um, I can see Denver looking at a defensive guy. Um, clearly, the offensive guy didn't work with Hackett, so they might look for a defensive guy. Um, I don't know. I mean, Dan Quinn, the connections are there. You know, the connections are there from the Seattle days with Russell Wilson. Um, he's got, but Dallas's defense looked phenomenal this season. So, I mean, I think it's Dan Quinn, Jonathan Gannon. Those are two names that are probably going to be two of the most popular names on the head coaching market this offseason. Justin, what do you think? you think Hackett's sticking around soon, or do you think he's uh, on his way out soon? You, you, you kind of went out. What you say? Am I going in and out? Um, yeah, I think uh, I think they're going to finish out the season. But um, ultimately, yeah, I do agree with Thomas. Um, he's going to be a one-and-done. Um, yeah, he, I mean, he, he, he's obviously a rookie, um, head coach. He looks like a rookie head coach, not a big fan of his play calling. Um, yeah, I mean, pretty much what Thomas said, you know, they got injuries and I just, I don't know. Russell Wilson has never looked like this. He doesn't look, uh, he, he doesn't look necessarily poised. Um, he, he doesn't look like himself at all. Uh, heck it, man. I just, I don't know. I think, um, they do need to find an, uh, another coach with uh, more experience. And I just, yeah, man, I think um, Hackett just, he kind of looks in over his head. Um, the good thing is they are winning games, whether you think it's uh, convincing or not. So I think that's the fact that they're going to probably win a few more games, whether they be close or whatever. I think that's going to uh, at least save his job for the year or for the, you know, regular season. But um. Yeah, after that, I definitely think they, they go in another direction, uh, head coach-wise. KB? Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm not totally on board with the Hackett firing, but because um, I don't think Russ has played to his potential either, and I don't think they're hitting the panic button on Russ yet. So um, I think they're going to at least give him a little, little bit of time to try and settle in. I mean, I see the situation kind of similar to Josh McDaniels in uh las vegas so uh i'd be shocked if we see a first year firing from either one of those guys to be honest i just think so you, that so you think hackett's going to be coaching next year in denver as well <laughs> i think it'll be at least a two-year experiment <laughs> i feel like it's rare they're it's invested rare. for the long term so i mean my thing is that – go ahead. My thing is that I feel like they're just not married to him. They're married. They're married to Russ. They're stuck with Russ, and I feel like this experiment needs to happen and happen quick. Russ's clock is only ticking, and, yes, he hasn't played up to his potential yet, but they have weapons in a very serviceable defense, and it's like, okay, why isn't this clicking? How can they not get the best out of the Russ? And, yes, like I said, I do agree Russ isn't playing to his potential, but – I feel like the only reason I can see it happening after this season is because they're just they're not married to they're not married to Hackett and that needs to go quick and they need success quick. 
because they've got a lot of young guys on, you know, rookie deals like Judy, Hamler, and uh, they're just young. They Pat Sertain, they've got a lot of their best playmakers on rookie deals, and the clock is ticking on a success window when it comes to money. So I could see it being quick, but at the same time, it's really hard to be one and done in this league unless you were, you know, you're talking about your Urban Myers, and that's, you know, bottom shelf stuff. It's, I feel like it's extremely tough. I mean, Matt Rule got three years in Carolina, and that was atrocious. That wasn't working out from the start. So I guess either 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 option to me won't be shocking by any means. If they cut them quick, I understand because it's like clock is ticking. You need you need you your success window is open now and you need to win now. So if you want if you don't think you've got the right coach, you really don't have time to let it play out. But at the same time, you gotta you gotta decide, you know, if the options that are on the market are truly going to be better and you trust the you trust the options more. Um, you know, Brian Dable obviously is working out in New York and he was definitely one of the hotter commodities, if not the hottest commodity of the offseason. So I could see them saying, like, okay. Jonathan Gannon, hottest commodity. Let's go with him. You've got, you know, a mobile, a mobile quarterback in Russell Wilson, obviously not as mobile as he used to be, but you see the success working out in Philadelphia. Uh, Greg Roman is another name that comes to mind. Brian Schottenheimer, I feel like. Uh, it'd be tough for me to buy into Brian Schottenheimer as the head coach just because he's kind of gone down the, the rabbit hole since his offensive coordinator days in Seattle. But that's somebody that he worked with for a few years now. He was, you know, up for a few head coaching jobs, I think, two years ago. So those are just names to be watching in my eyes. But I think the seat should definitely remain hot. But in my eyes, they got a few favorable, favorable games, something that, you know, can really turn this thing around for them. They got the bye week now. Um, Tennessee is a beatable football team. You know, they're 5-2. and two. But if the Broncos play the right football, they can beat Tennessee. After that, they have – uh, oh, I just saw him on here. Hold on. The Raiders, another team struggling with a first-year head coach. Can't seem to get it clicking. That's a winnable game. And then they've got the Panthers. That's three winnable games for the Broncos that this is going to be the tell for their season. If they can turn this thing around and, you know, get two or three or maybe all three of these games, then, yeah, you can sit here and say, okay, here's hope for Hackett. But you go drop two or you go drop two, and even let's say all three of these winnable games right here, that's where the cause of concern comes in. Cause then you're looking going into week 13, not making the postseason with no improvement and no success. So they really need to build off this bye week in Jacksonville for them to, you know, really understand the direction for Nathaniel Hackett and the Denver Broncos. Because if these next three weeks don't go in their favor, I think that's going to be the tell all for their season. Cause after that, it's going to get tough. Um, Ravens, I know they have to play the Chiefs at least one more time. Ravens, yep. Ravens, Chiefs, Chargers. Cardinals, Chargers they have again. And I think they might have the Chiefs twice. Have they played the Chiefs yet this year? Yeah, they, yeah, they, they got a, a Kansas City twice. Rams on Christmas Day. And the Chiefs, yeah, they got, no, they have, yeah, they got to play Chiefs twice. Yeah. So, like, after they get if these, it's going to get ugly. So these th these next three weeks, in my eyes, is the tell-off for the Denver Broncos and Nathaniel Hackett. You go out there, show major improvement, and then, you know, drop some games to the good teams, that's okay. You can build off that. 
you go out there and don't succeed against in these next three weeks, I think that gets done. Green Bay, Tampa, both three and five. Is it time to panic? I think that I think it's pretty clear that it's time. It's it's pretty much time to panic here in Tampa Bay yeah. and in Green Bay. Justin, we'll kick it off with you. Which one? JB's JB, Justin's Justin. I don't think I've called JB Justin in years. Okay. Okay, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I mean, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's definitely time to panic. Um, for both both of the uh, Bay teams. Um, yeah, you know, Green Bay made absolutely no effort to um, get it, uh, Aaron Rodgers any wideouts. I, I thought maybe we would see Claypool go to Green Bay or uh, Brandon Cooks, you know, something like that. But uh, that didn't happen. They made no moves. Um, Aaron Rodgers is still Aaron Rodgers, so I kind of look at the schedule and uh, a couple of these matchups. You know, you you know that they got to play us again. Um, you 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 see the matchup this week with uh, um, the Lions, and it's like okay, you know, Aaron Rodgers gives you a little bit of comfort, but he needs somebody to throw to, man. So, I mean, the, them the lack of moves that they made at this deadline is very concerning. Um, I think they overrated. I already don't like them. Try not to be biased, but um, from from an honest honest standpoint, I really do think that they're overrated. Um, like I said earlier this season, uh, Zadarius Smith was a a, a big loss. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll leave uh, JB to you know speak more on that. But um, you know, like I said, that was a big loss, and um, they're just an overrated team at this point. And then you got Tampa, uh, Tom Brady, man. I just I, it's over with. It's, is he, he definitely just um, not washed or nothing, but uh, his age is showing. And if it's not his age, it's, it's, it's definitely something with, um, you know, his personal life. We all know about the divorce. So, you know, that's probably playing a big part. And, um, yeah, man, I think it's just time. It's just time. Um, he don't got nothing else to prove. But surface level, I just, I just, yeah, I can't necessarily see them – Winning the uh, championship this year, I, I saw it early in the season, or at least I thought I did. I had hope, but I just think it's too much um, dysfunction going on in uh, Brady's life, too much personal business he's handling. So for either squad, um, it's not looking good. I think I probably got more faith in Tampa just because it's Brady, I guess, and he does have the weapons. They just need to execute a little better. But, um, yeah, overall, it is definitely panic panic mode for both both squads. Thomas? Yeah, I mean, I think when you – anytime you have uh, players such as Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady at quarterback and you are under 500, uh, it's time to panic. Both are three and five. It's the first time in Brady's 23-year career that he's two games under 500. That's how you know it's a really off year. Um, you know, the Packers, they're just not a good football team. You know, they're just not. I know on paper they look good. But the defense has not lived up to par. That was supposed to be their strength this year is top five defense aspirations, run the hell out of the ball with Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon. Two-head backfield, you know, Rodgers was expected to slowly build chemistry with the receivers. Obviously, that hasn't happened. And if anything, the relationship has been worse probably than it started just because, you know, we all know how Rodgers is with, it, with young receivers. You drop one pass, you know, he'll hold it against you for a week and a half. You know, that's it's just the type of guy he is. 
Um, Tampa Bay is just – they're not the same without Bruce Arians. Um, Brady's doing what he can. You know, Brady, you know, people may think he's taking a step back or he's not the same Brady. Uh, look at the numbers. You know, Brady's numbers are still great. You know, like there's a lot of other dysfunction going on with the Buccaneers. Um, Byron Leftwich, you know, it's clear of why every team passed on him as a head coach. Um, he's pretty much lost as an offensive coordinator without Bruce Arians above his shoulder. And Todd Bowles is, you know, he's, he's Todd Bowles. Like, he wasn't successful with the Jets. He's not built to be a head coach. He is a defensive coordinator. Um, there's just – it's just, you know, they truly do miss Bruce Arians because he really held the team accountable, really brought everyone together. Um, you got to panic for both squads simply because it's just like three and five halfway through the year. It's not easy to come back from that. Uh, I believe in the Bucks a little more simply because their um, their division's weaker. You know, the Vikings have pretty much wrapped up the NFC North. I mean, they're like three, four games ahead of Green Bay. Like, it's it's over. Um, Tampa's got a shot, but I, I would not be surprised if they moved on from Todd Bowles, whether it's mid-year, after the year ends. Um, but I, I would say Byron Leftwich, I will be absolutely shocked if he makes it through the season. I think he will be the first one fired. Mm. Yeah, Bulls won't be the first one fires, but left which it's just a matter of time. I'm on the train with Thomas about Bulls and left which I just don't know if that combination has been working out for Tampa. Um, I definitely would panic more about Tampa as opposed to Green Bay just because I think Tampa has the better roster and they're just not performing. Um, obviously, we saw that Shaq Barrett's done. So that's a huge loss for their defense. Uh, trade deadline, they didn't assess any of that. Um, uh, that or a tight end, which obviously if TJ Hawkinson was available or something, you got to kind of put all your chips in one basket if Tom Brady's trying to get one last one. Um, but Green Bay, I mean, yeah, you got to panic, but I guess I kind of seen it coming. I mean – no weapons. I kind of saw right through the defense, if I'm being honest. Um, I feel like they're not the caliber of the Bucks, but I feel like Green Bay will have the easier second half. Schedule's brutal. It is brutal, but I feel like – I don't know. But Tampa definitely obviously still has a chance to win their division. The Atlanta's sitting at 4-4 four and four at the top of the division, so it's not like they're – Far gone, but yeah, Green Bay being three and a half or four games down is tough. But I'd be more worried about Tampa Bay than I would be about Green Bay. See, that's kind of that's 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 very um interesting because I just I see it for like the same reason that you do, but I see it opposite. But it's for the same reason. Like at least I mean I know you know it's no more Antonio Brown, no more Gronk. Um, no more Bruce, uh, Bruce Arians, but we at least got like a vision of what that offense looks like uh, su- successful, you know what I'm saying, versus Green Bay with the uh, upcoming brutal schedule. We don't know what that looks like successful. I mean, they got Aaron Rodgers, but that's not, you know, like you said, no weapons. And then, um, you know, you got the juggernaut uh, Vikings team, your team. So it's not a team like that in um, – the NFC South necessarily that's running away with it. 
um, they got some some uh, competition. I know I, I'm pretty sure you don't see them, uh, you know, overtaking the Vikings. So uh, it's just I just find it very um, interesting that we got the same um, the same reason, but uh, you know, we see it on uh, both sides. See, look, this is what I'm saying. I'm kind of going back and forth with both of you guys because in my eyes, obviously, I think the panic lies. The panic lies harder with Green Bay just because just because this play the, the wild card spots are gonna be thin with how good New York is playing, with how good Dallas is playing, and they're still trailing the Eagles in their division. And you know, the 49ers and I mean I I guess we I don't know if we're gonna be talking about the fucking Seahawks, but the, the, the Seahawks, Rams yeah. and 49ers, um is Green Bay is Green Bay better than those teams when you're looking at it from a roster standpoint? So I think the panic falls harder on Green Bay in that sense. And just because I think Tampa Bay has an easier path to the postseason is why the panic in my eyes lies harder. But from a roster standpoint, yes, I think Tampa. So I'm seeing I'm agreeing with both of you guys. The, from a roster standpoint, yeah, my panic is a lot higher than Tampa Bay. Yeah, you have an easier path to the postseason. But what's going to happen when you get there? Is your offense going to be able to succeed? And what's crazy to me is that fucking Bruce Arians is sitting up in that box every single every single game. He's still an advisor in Tampa Bay. It's like, all right, who's making the call to bring that motherfucker down out of the field and slap a headset on him? Who's making the call? Someone needs to make that call soon. <laughs> his well, ass the problem that. was, man, I think Brady was, was the one who, who wanted him gone. And I think I know, there was so much conflict. Like... Where I think it was kind of like mutual where Arians like, look, I'll just go. I'll step back, you know, you do you. I will help out in the front office, you know. But I also think the stress got to Arians as well. You have, you, you have a Super Bowl together, though. Like, when's the, when's the duel going to end and be like, okay, like, hey, we have a chance to go win a ring. Let's go win a ring. Like, I'm sorry. When's that going to end? Because that's, that's a serious topic because it's not working out with the current coaching staff. And which sucks is because I did have a lot – I had a faith – and Todd Bowles with this defense, and it sucks because I was like, okay, he's finally getting the bread and the butter. He's just got to spread it, and he's not spreading it, and it's really showing, showing his true colors, and the same with Leftwich. I just – I think the I think the panic falls harder in Green Bay. I do. Just because Minnesota is 6-1, and one, they're playing great football, they're going to have to – Minnesota is going to have to lose a lot of games, and Green Bay is going to have to win a lot of games, let alone – I think that, you know, Chicago is playing better football than they were in the first four games of the season. That's that's something to be worried about. And Chicago's offense improved at the trade deadline. Green Bay's didn't improve at all. Justin Fields is playing better. Uh, the Bears are playing better football, regardless of the fact that they just got blown out, you know, by 20 points. <laughs> um, it's They're still looking better on, you know, on the field. So I think there's a more panic in Green Bay when it comes to the, the conversation of, okay, who's going to be playing in the postseason? But I agree with uh, UJB on the fact of there should be more panic in Tampa Bay about what's going to happen when you get to the postseason because you have a great roster and you're not doing anything with it. Yeah, and then, like, can we just, like, talk about this Green Bay schedule here? Because, like, I, I don't see any hope for them. Uh, they are at – let's see, what are they now, three and five? Three they and five. Are at Detroit, home for Dallas, home for Tennessee, at Philadelphia, at Chicago – then they have a bye week. Then they're home for the Rams, at the Dolphins, home for the Vikings, and home for the Lions. That Damn. is their remaining schedule. 
That is absolutely <laughs> brutal. And I, as crazy as I was, this could be the first Aaron Rodgers team, maybe like ever, that has a 10 loss. It's just, I'm yeah. like, how do you recover? Because like almost every single team you can make an argument on that list is better than Green Bay. Green Bay might only be favored in three of those games. The Dallas. Fights, and then maybe Chicago. But I think Chicago could beat them in Chicago. So, like, this could get really ugly real fast. And this could maybe take a little dent in Aaron Rodgers' legacy. I don't know. I would I mean, I would love it to be a hot take for now, way. but I would love to watch it burn down. I yeah. would. I mean, I think we all would agree. We would love to watch it burn down that way, finishing, you know, six and 11, seven and 10. Uh, I just want to see it happen because I've had to, I just, I want to see it happen. So they draft like Jackson Smith and Jigba and he's like the next great thing for him. That'd be, our yeah, I mean, I'm sorry if I, I'm sorry if Green Bay doesn't make the postseason. Are we sure that Aaron Rodgers is coming back? Like, are we, he's got 40 million conquered? guaranteed at least if he like retires, I think Green Bay. So would if still he retires, owe- see, they pay him out, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, th- they owe him a certain amount. Like, like they'd still free up some money, but I think like they still would owe him like 40 million at least. I mean, $40 million. And what sucks is that Tom Brady's over here going through a divorce and it's just looking awful. Like, I wouldn't – this is the kind of downfall I want Aaron Rodgers to go through, not fucking Tom. I don't have any, like, bad blood towards Tom. Yeah, dude. <laughs> going through a whole Tom's fucking – a great guy. This this dude's going through a full, he may or may not have deflated a football. That's it. This dude's going through a full-blown divorce and it's just publicly fucking – scrutinized all over the media and it's just oh, like it is so okay. bad i feel so bad for brady right i know it's awful it's i truly like, believe i don't know if you guys believe this but like i don't know what you guys think i don't think their marriage fell apart because of like football and then he came back i think he came back to football because of the divorce oh yeah yeah i think that the i think the divorce was in the works and yeah. he, he came he came back and i think that maybe him retiring was to try and help the divorce i think this was something that you know, it was like maybe a last minute last minute grab well, like, i mean okay, we got some reckless speculation going on here but like yeah i mean we're turning it into a gossip podcast and that's all right i'm thinking <laughs> i'm thinking he i'm kind of i'm picking up what you're putting down thomas i'm thinking okay marriage is in the fire i gotta make a last second grab at it i'm retiring nfl Dude, last like two weeks, nothing gets better. He's like, never mind. I got another fucking run in me. Let's ride. I'm getting divorced anyway. I'll be a good like, I'll be a good like distraction too. You know, like going through a divorce. I mean, that's just like heartbreaking. It's so difficult. Where like, why not go back to the game you love? You know, that could take your mind off of it. Exactly. No, it just exactly. that makes more logical sense than Brady just randomly ditching his family you know to go play football you know what i'm saying we're like that doesn't just it just doesn't seem right and now that we've gotten more information like brady looks unhealthy though i don't know if you guys see like that dude looks like depressed and like his face is so skinny compared to like a year ago like he looks like he has not slept or ate and kept his up his daily routine like he has in the past I know, I know, I agree, I agree, I agree. We're we're down the rabbit hole here. We're getting into divorce. We're, this is becoming a divorce <laughs> podcast. We are not divorce <laughs> lawyers. I'm not divorced yet. Yeah, I mean, I guess I mean I know the odds are high, Thomas. But damn, relax, relax, relax. Dude, last girl was a Packers fan, man. I I can't date anymore. Uh, oh, have some faith. We have some faith. I mean, <laughs> come on, man. It's, we'll it's a tough one. If Tom Brady and Gis- he's over here, if Tom Brady and Giselle can't make it work, I'm not going to make it work. <laughs> <laughs> Brady's my uh, idol, man. If he can't make it work, I can't. 
All right, all right. Let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, Chicago lost forty nine to twenty nine uh, to the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday. Justin Fields, arguably his best day as a professional football player, is Justin Fields the best quarterback of his class thus far? I'm going to let y'all – I didn't write the script, y'all. I'm going to let y'all talk this one out, and then I'm going to give y'all my two cents. <laughs> I'm going to let y'all – I'm going to let y'all hash this one out first. <laughs> Whoever wants it. Whoever – I mean, I'm juiced up. Don't get me wrong. I say talking. Will goes first. Will, Will seems ready to go Let's hear it, Will. Uh, this is so tough for me. Um, you, I mean, if you go off the last four weeks, yes, he's looked like the best quarterback of his class. You go off his first four weeks, he doesn't look like the best quarterback of his class. Zach Wilson, and since coming back from injury, uh, has struggled immensely. And it's not looking good because they put some solid weapons around him. Elijah Moore is calling him out. Garrett Wilson's there. Brees Hall was there for a little bit. Now they traded for James Robinson. They have weapons in – New York. So um, does it make me feel better to see him struggling with weapons? Yes, it does. And to see Justin Fields throwing the ball to Equinemia St. Brown, Darnell Mooney, and Nikhil Harry and looking good, that gives me faith for the future. It does. Uh, is he the best quarterback of his class thus far? That's just tough for me. Would I say two? Yeah, I think it's I think it's really as of right now, you you can't put any label on Trey Lance up to this point at all. You can't say he's good. You can't say he's bad. He doesn't have really much to say for it, and that's not his fault. He obviously had a season under injury in week two. But uh, I think, yeah, I do think it is between him and Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, and, and, and you know, once again, I think has better weapons around him as a lot more, you know, veteran guys like Marvin Jones, Christian Kirk, uh, Evan Ingram. And over the last four weeks, there's definitely an argument that can be made that Justin Fields is playing a lot better football. And it seems like an off the offense that he has is finally working for him. And I think that the front office just made a move and trading for Chase Claypool that, you know, kind of shows them like, hey, we believe that you're the guy. Here's a weapon. I'll do something with it. So to say he's the best, I think, is a stretch. Lawrence's numbers look better. But if you go over the last four weeks, you take Justin Fields' numbers over the last four weeks and you pin them together, divide that by four, go on to a 17-game uh, season. He, uh, you know, he has a better second year in comparison to, like, Jalen Hurts. Uh, he's on pace to still – he's almost – guys, he's almost on pace for 1,000 rushing yards, which is huge. Uh, it's, it's, it's a lot, and it, you know, only helps him in the passing game. So I can't, I can't give you a definitive answer yet. And uh, – but to see him play uh, very well against defenses like Dallas – and uh, the and Bill Belichick and the Patriots, uh, that it does give me hope for the future. But I'm gonna still say it's Trevor Lawrence right now. Um, whoever wants to take a swing at it next, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm gonna just pick uh, you know piggyback off you kind of um yeah man I I agree with that uh I think at this point. It's fair to say Justin Fields is the best quarterback coming out of that class. Like you said, um, can't really talk too much about Trey Lance. Haven't seen him. Zach Wilson, uh, he, he looked like a, a – I don't know what that was on Sunday. A bunch of boneheaded interceptions. I think he had a crush on Devin McCourty uh, this past Sunday. Um, he, he looked like a, a rookie quarterback. And um, like you said, you know, he got weapons around him even Trevor Lawrence, uh, something key that you said is Trevor Lawrence numbers look better. 
and um numbers don't it's lie, not, but they also it's not by lie. much. It's not by it's not by an immense amount at all. And and in in Fields defense, you know, I do think that Trevor Lawrence's interceptions have looked much worse than than Fields. I've watched him. I've watched Trevor Lawrence throw two interceptions, whereas there's no one in the area. At least half of Fields' fucking interceptions have at least bounced off a helmet or some shit. Like that's on Fields, yes, but I mean, Lawrence's interceptions have looked awful. And over the last few weeks, Justin Fields has been much better at protecting the ball. I know he had four fumbles against the Patriots, which you know uh, isn't great, but only I don't I don't think any of them got recovered. So yeah. Um. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, you got to look at context when it comes to things like this. And like you said, man, he just doesn't have the weapons around him. And if you use Justin Fields properly, I think in certain situations, I think the league is scared of change to an extent. Like Lamar Jackson, can you win with a quarterback with his style? And, you know, we we still hear that to this day. And it's, it's, it still has yet to be proven. But, I mean, you, you drafted Justin Fields. You watched tape of him at Ohio State, and you saw him be successful. Now, I know it's a bunch of variables that goes into that. That's college, whatever, right? But, I mean, we kind of see it now. If you use him, use play to his skill set. If you use him properly, this is what you get. And, you know, last year he was not used properly. Um that offense was was terrible, you know, no line, um, no weapons. Allen Robinson looked virtually how he does now. I mean, just, you know, so this year we started to get a little a little bit of a taste. You know, he, he's getting more experience and, you know, uh, he's been used used a little bit more uh, properly, you know, design, you know, go out and um, design some quarterback runs and, you know, let him find his 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 way as far as as far as passing. I mean, he already doesn't have any protection, no weapons. So, I mean, just things like this need to take time. I, I'm still not with the whole. I, I still don't like um, him not having any weapons. I don't understand why we did that. I still I'm not on that train at all. But us getting Claypool at the deadline is a little bit more hopeful. You know, hopefully that's gonna take some pressure off Mooney and. The offense will be slightly better with that. But, I mean, this is what you get if he's used properly. So design some more quarterback runs. Let him find his rhythm and make some of those uh, better throws. And, you know, he just needs some more experience. But overall, I mean, yeah, at this point, I think it's very uh, plausible to say that, yeah, he's the best quarterback coming out of that uh, draft. So, uh, yeah, I guess I, I mean, there's an argument definitely to be made. All right, let's let the Vikings fans chime in. <laughs> I'll let JB go first on this one. All right, so I'm just trying to break down everybody from that class, really. Um, going into this season, I mean, the way Mac Jones kind of finished off last year, I thought that he was going to be a runaway, to be honest. Uh, he looked like the game manager of the future for the Patriots. You know, uh, not, we didn't even mention his name. Like I was, I was going to say, yeah, real quick, JB, I put – Mac Jones and Davis Mills completely out of my head. I I don't know. My bad. Yeah. No, because they're not athletic. <laughs> There's no no sorry to be had. I mean, he's not looking impressive this year. Trevor Lawrence with Doug Peterson was supposed to have some sort of epiphany, and he hasn't yet. Uh, Zach Wilson is either always injured or always throwing interceptions, but his team's winning games. 
but it's not because of him, really. That defense has been playing out of its mind. So when I look at that class right now, I would say Justin Fields is probably the most promising option out of that class. Don't gas me up, JV. Not do I I think it's a low ceiling for the time being, yes. But I think with the right situation, which hopefully he's going to start playing into – uh, are, are you are hopefully as in what NFL analyst JB or Vikings fan JB? <laughs> NFL analyst JB. <laughs> if if they could if they could get Fields into some sort of tempo, make his easy completions, and then start stretching that deep ball of his, I think if they use him right, he could definitely be the runaway of that class. But. They obviously have a lot of building of a roster to do in order to get him to that point, I think. I mean, it's just not feasible for a quarterback to just be running scared from his O-line every time he takes a snap. So, I don't know. I think I think he could definitely be the runaway from that class, but it's tough to say. I'd still say he's the best this far. Yeah, I agree. I think the window is wide open, and it's really anyone's for the taking. And if you, I think a lot of this is also recency bias. He's played great over the last few weeks. Um, great is obviously a term that I use as a Chicago sports fan in referring to my quarterbacks because I don't have a lot of good quarterback play. So when I see solid quarterback play, I use the word great. Um, he has obviously not looked like Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen, but in my eyes as a Chicago quarterback, he's looked great. Uh, but, yeah, window's wide open. Thomas? Yeah, I mean, I think this is really tough because I think the class as a whole has been underwhelming. Like, I think very, every single – Very underwhelming. You know, I feel like that there, there could be an argument made for every single quarterback in that draft class you could say is probably not a franchise quarterback. I, I think there's literally an argument for everyone. It's just so up and down. Um, you know, Fields has looked very good the last few weeks. Um, you know, they haven't asked him to do much, which is why he's being successful. It's very Teddy Bridgewater-esque where they're doing a lot of, like, bootlegs, heavy run, you know, make the throws you need to make, where they're they're scheming these guys open, which is what you want to see. And you typically do see that with the defensive-minded head coach. I still think Trey Lance has the highest upside out of anyone in the entire draft class. He just unfortunately hasn't had a chance to play yet. And I believe in his surrounding cast. And my philosophy from a roster-building standpoint has always been – you can't build the quarterback around everything else. You need to build everything else kind of like around the court. No, like, hold on. It's vice versa, where I feel like you need to build the roster first, then insert the quarterback, not have the quarterback have nothing and kind of just build around that. I personally, that's just like a, my thing from a roster building standpoint. I have a hard thing to do. So that's why I have always had kind of a lack in faith of Justin Fields as a long-term option in Chicago, just because I feel like there's a lot for him to overcome. Not saying he can't do it, but I think he's a superior athlete. He's in that Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts territory. But I have a lot of questions about him as a passer and his decision-making. I feel like he's not where he needs to be as a passer yet. Maybe that can improve over time with Chase Claypool. But I feel like Trevor Lawrence is still a much superior passer, of just a pure passer of the football compared to Fields, but I think when you include Fields' mobility, he does have a tad more upside than Lawrence. But just from what I've seen so far over these last two years, I'm still com- I'm not comparing just this year, 
the last two years, I still have to say Trevor Lawrence is the better quarterback of that draft class, but I just need to see more out of fields. And that's why I like the Chase Claypool trade because that gives you time to kind of see what you've got. You know, when you're throwing a quantum St. Brown, Vilas Jones and Darnell Mooney, and you're not, you don't really know what you got out of fields. Now you've given them two deep threats. You know, he's starting to click a little bit with the offense. Now is where you'll kind of see what you got out of them. And I think the same could be said for Lawrence as well, because, you know, they just acquired Calvin Ridley. You know, I think you won't see that until next year. Exactly. So I do think as this current moment, it's close between fields and Lawrence, but I, I just, I'm more sold as Lawrence because I think he's a better passer. Fields is a better talent. I won't deny that. He is a better talent. He might be one of the most talented quarterbacks in the league if everything clicks. You know, it's very possible. But I just think the way I have to evaluate the quarterback position with these guys and based off the situations they're in, um, I got to give the slight edge to Lawrence. It's not by much, but I do think when it's all said and done, by the time all their careers end, like I, I feel pretty good about Trey Lance coming out on top just because of the system, the weapons. Like next year, he's going to have Christian McCaffrey, Debo, Kittle. And, um, no, you know, they're going to prove the offensive line. He got Ayuk. So, I mean, I just base a quarterback usually. I think a quarterback is only as good as his weapons, especially at a young age. And it's very crucial to get talent around these young quarterbacks so that over time they can kind of develop into who they need to be. Then they can elevate those players around them. But I actually can't consider Lance right now. So I'm going to go Lawrence over Fields. And I think Fields is either way, he's locked in that, that two spot. Um. I'm gonna bounce. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna come off of a few things that you had to say there, Thomas. Um, I I do agree with pretty much everything you said. Uh, I like the idea. I do like the idea of building the roster and then inserting the quarterback. But then at sometimes it, I think it kind of goes both ways. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. If you build a roster and then insert a quarterback into a system you could end up with a situation like we ended up with in Chicago and Mitch Trubisky. They thought they had the guy, they had the roster built and in the long term, it only failed them. I feel like sometimes you kind of got to let you kind of got to, you know, play it both ways because, you know, a lot of people were downing on fields this year because of his weapons around him. But now that we're seeing solid play, it's like, okay, now let's put some pieces around him and know that he's the guy because Chicago you know, had, was locked into pretty much him for three years because they put a win-now roster around him and thought he was the guy and inserted it, inserted him into this system in this roster, and it didn't work out. So I feel like it kind of it's kind of give and take. It's it's tough. And then basing off of uh, pure passing when it comes to fields, I like I know it's easy to compare the two because they are so similar. But it, his passing abilities really do remind me of Jalen Hurts, kind of. Like, Hurts last year, I really questioned a lot as a passer, and I questioned a lot of his decision-making. And, you know, you insert A.J. Brown, and all of a sudden he looks like a very talented passer. So um, I'm happy to just see some flashes of his passing ability. Um, there's definitely still to be questioned in his decision-making and his passing ability. But his deep ball still looks somewhat pretty, and – if they can now just insert a roster around him, I think that he can he can be a successful quarterback in this in this league. And we've seen that more recently, 
Thomas, like that was I was I was I, I kind of wanted to ask you about that as well because I was gonna ask you, yeah, like like what about Lamar Jackson? What about uh, Jalen Hurts? Uh, Josh Allen to an extent. I mean, it was you know they found the guy and built the roster around, and all three of those teams are successful. So I was yeah, I was I was gonna ask you the same thing. Like, um, yeah, I mean, I think when you compare all those quarterbacks, I mean, those teams are truly a quarterback away. The Ravens have always had a great team. They just never had a great quarterback. And once you kind of slid Lamar in there with John Harbaugh, um, you know, the team did well right away. And Jalen Hurts, the Eagles have arguably maybe the most talented roster from top to bottom in the league right now. Howie Roseman is one of the best GMs in the league for a reason. You know, they were successful with Wentz, you know, Nick Foles. They won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. And a lot of those guys are kind of still there. So, I mean, you slide Hurts in, but by training for A.J. Brown and building that offense around him, um, you know, those teams were kind of put in place. But those are also organizations that have had success in the past. Chicago hasn't had success, which is why I'm a little skeptical. Okay. You know but what I mean? In my, in, in, um, but Philly, they had no weapons. They had a good offensive line and a great defense. They drafted Devontae they, but, Smith. But they, but they wanted to see – Hurts play out more I feel like you know okay Hurts is you know looking good last year led us to the playoffs let's make that move for AJ Brown now if Hurts looks extremely bad last year there's no chance that they're making that move so I think like I agree with but what both both of you guys are saying I think there's some give and there's some take because if Hurts plays awful last year in no way whatsoever did they make that move for AJ Brown they're looking probably to improve elsewhere um, and any other hole but they say okay we have a quarterback that is just a weapon away Let's go get A.J. Brown. So I do think that there's some give and there's some take. I like, you know, I would love, obviously, for Justin Fields to come into a, a great offense and a great roster. But at the same time, if he's not playing out, the moves are going to differentiate. Holy shit. Can't talk right now. Big word for Will. Big word for Will. <laughs> Spit it out. But I, I, I'm really liking this conversation that we're having right now because I feel like to some extent we're all agreeing with each other. And I think that there's just a lot of give and take with the scenarios. Um, but as of right now, I feel like we all kind of agree. It's uh, based off this season so far. Um, without Trey Lance in the discussion, it's Fields or Lawrence, really. And I think I'm really excited to see how the rest of the season plays out. Minnesota! One after defeating the Arizona Cardinals, I did not write the script. Should they be considered contenders or pretenders in the NFC? I talked about my quarterback first, Vikings fans. Now you get to talk about your team first. All right, JB, let's hear it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. So I would say we have a legitimate shot at the NFC championship. I feel like generally speaking, the NFC is very weak or is showing weakness as compared to, to recent. So I think with the improvements that we have made uh, on both sides of the ball, really um, that our roster is just getting better by the day. Uh, we're clicking. KO's bringing some sort of vibe in there that's just unmatched. I, it's It really is about the head coach and what he brings as a culture. And I think that 
really with anybody else and maybe the same roster, we're having a different type of conversation. But I think we have a legitimate shot at the NFC this year. And I hope that's not bias of me to say because I'm not really scared of anybody outside of maybe the Eagles. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously I'm trying to take my bias out as much as possible. But, you know, the NFC is just so weak right now. Like, it's truly, like, there's, like, the Eagles, and then there's, like, everyone else. But, you know, KOC, you know, Kevin O'Connell, Kwesi Dofomensa, you know, they're proven to be the right guys. And, you know, the, all you hear is the culture's changed. The players are having fun. They're more relaxed. There's no Mike Zimmer where you're in the doghouse, you know. There's, like, there's no, like, you feel like Satan's watching over you. Like, it's very relaxed. And that's kind of having – and that's being able to – and a lot of these players are being able to play to the best of their ability because the coaching and everyone's letting them play free. They're letting them be who they are, not what they want them to be. They're playing to their strengths. And I think Kevin – and I also think Kevin O'Connell is an absolute genius as a play caller. Just the way he could scheme Jefferson all over the field. He's able to get Kirk on the run, you know, the bootleg. He's You know, he's been able to take Kirk to another level, not necessarily – in the stat sheet, his stats are, you know, he's actually statistically not having a very great year, Cousins. It's very just, you know, mediocre. But what's not talked about enough is, you know, these crucial in-game situations. You know, when it matters most is when Cousins has shown up this season, which not, which you really couldn't say before. A lot of those close games that they've won this season are because of Cousins has led a game-winning drive. We saw him lead, what was it, a 98-yard game-winning drive against the Bears. Um, snuck it in for the end zone. He had one against Detroit. Um, he played well against Miami. You know, New Orleans, he led a game-winning drive. Um, that was so, 98 yards. I think it was like 98. It, it was something like that where it was very tight. Like, like t- they took up like eight minutes on the clock. I know that they did that, damn. No, and but. That's what, but that's what the offense kind of does where they're very calculated where they don't necessarily – they have the ability to hit you with a big play, but they also have the ability to drain the hell out of the clock because of the talent that's there, that they kind of could almost decide what they want to do. And, you know, just the team as a whole. I mean, Zadarius Smith has been, an, honestly, like it's just a culture changer on that defensive side of the ball. He's leading the league in sacks last I checked, and he's only costing $3 million against the cap. Green Bay, who's having a terrible season, is paying him $11 million to play for their rivals. Like, you know, like it's just comical. But I feel like that you have to be contenders when you are six and one, potentially seven and one. There's truly there's an argument for like the Niners, the Cowboys, but it just seems like the Vikings are a little more complete than those teams because the Vikings could pick your poison. You have Dalvin Cook, you now have TJ Hawkinson, you have Adam Thielen, you have Justin Jefferson. The offensive line's coming into shape. So it's like when you have a top five offense. And just maybe even a top 15 defense. That's a recipe for success. That's how the Eagles won the Super Bowl with Nick Foles when, uh, back in the day. They didn't have these crazy weapons on offense. I mean, on, they had these weapons, but they didn't have a crazy defense where it was like, oh, my gosh. Where, like, they had an offense that was just good enough. And I feel like that's kind of where the Vikings are at. Um, I feel like they could, they're going to host a playoff game. They could win a wild card round. They could win the divisional round. I don't know if they have Super Bowl aspirations. Like, I feel like that's a very tall task because this is just year one of the Quasi Dofomensa era. Um, but I feel like the NFC Championship game is 
within reach. I just it, it's hard to see the Eagles, anyone touching the Eagles right now. But if anyone outside of Philly, I think you kind of got to put the Vikings up there. Just just with those offensive weapons and adding TJ Hawkinson just takes the team to a whole new level. It takes a lot of pressure off JJ and Thielen, and he, he he's a top five tight end in the league. So I just feel like they're making a lot they're making a lot of the right moves. And ever since this regime has taken over, they've changed the culture completely and they've made the moves that need to be made to put them in this position. And I think the sky's kind of the limit. You know, there's no limitations yet from what I can tell. Like there's reason for optimism. So I feel like you just kind of got to wait and see how the season progresses, but I would not be shocked if this team won 13, 14 games. Yeah. I feel like uh, Isn't that crazy. Will? what? Isn't that crazy? I, I swear Thomas said that he wanted to tear it all down, but I think that's a little crazy. But I'll be honest, the way crazy Adolfo Mensa has used that cap to bring in Zadarius Smith, bring in Jordan Hicks, re-sign Pat Pete, find a way to, tr- you know, he made a bunch of trades as well for like Rager, Blacklock, Nick Mullen. How has Rager been? I guess I I, get, I haven't watched like two. I've watched like two Vikings. Games, he hasn't so been able yeah. to get on the field because of Osborne and those guys. He's kind of depth right now. He could be a he could be the heir apparent to Thielen for all we know. He just he scored a touchdown. He's only he's caught like two passes on the year. One of them are a touchdown. Yeah, um, I watched him fucking score a little dinky fucking yeah. jerk my dick touchdown against the Bears. <laughs> well, that's not catching a touchdown pass. That's a handoff. It counts as Fuck a touch a. pass though. I could go out there and throw five touchdowns in the NFL if that's what we're fucking calling. Snap me the ball, I flick it two sides. I could go out there and throw five touchdown passes in the NFL if that's – I mean, I really could. But, I mean, um, what I was what I was going to say is, yeah, I mean, it's very clear that the Minnesota Vikings are contenders. There's no really pretenders if you're 6-1 and one and you're in the NFC right now. Um, it's wide open. It's the most wide open I've ever seen this conference in my entire life, probably considering what, you know, we've had to go through the last five years, six years with Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, and, you know, the last three years being Tom Brady, like it's so wide open. It is anyone taking. And I think that there's only three teams in my eyes right now that are playing ball that can I can't believe I'm saying this. I, I, I can't believe that I'm saying the Cowboys are in this contenders as well, but they are. I always feel like the Cowboys are a team that collapses when it comes to postseason time. But they have the best defense in the NFL, and the offense of run game seems to be clicking with that two-headed backfield. And um, But, uh, yeah, the, there's in my eyes, there's just three contenders in the NFC right now, and it's crazy that the Packers, Bucks. 49ers and Rams are not one of those three teams that we're talking about right now. It is blows my mind that we are talking about Eagles, Vikings, and Cowboys. And I mean, I'm not saying that I I'm not saying that I don't think these teams were going to be good. I think I had both the Cowboys and the Vikings in the playoffs, but just the fact that we're not talking about the Bucks or the Rams right now um, is insane. So yes, the Minnesota Vikings are very much contenders. The defense is playing very solid football. Um, the offense is clicking on all cylinders. And I think that, you know, outside of this game against the Commanders, the Bill and the Vikings game are going to be really big tells for you guys. Uh, can you compete new, with by them? the way, no prime time. No prime time, Kirk. Didn't get flexed. Yes. No, didn't get flexed. Uh, yesterday was the deadline. I thought it was the, the Saturday before. 
No, no. Yesterday was the what deadline. game were they what keeping? I heard, what it's game the Cowboys. Are they keeping? The cow. The Cowboys, I think, are being flexed. I think it's Cowboys Rams that might be flexed. They're flexing that. I think so. I'll have to double check that week. But I heard it's from what I heard, true, the NFL wants to flex the Cowboys Vikings game before Thanksgiving. That game is Sunday night. That I can build. see getting flexed, but I feel like it's just know. because. I don't it's think they will. I look we at the market size. Thanksgiving. We both play on Thanksgiving. I, I just don't think they'd be able to. It's Cowboys them. Packers. That's the one that's uh, potential being flexed. Bears in, Vikings in, got in 2018. Bears Vikings got flexed to Sunday night, and they played the the they played the Lions that following Thursday. I know that for a fact. But both teams play on Thanksgiving. We play on Thanksgiving this year, well, too. Which is why I think no, they I would know. do it. If both teams both play on Thanksgiving, it gives them the exact same time to get ready. Yeah. It's possible. But, um, yeah, back to what I was saying. Uh, I think, one, it probably just has to do with that Buffalo is one of the smallest markets in the NFL, and same with Minneapolis and the Cowboys always draw primetime showing and Rams is L.A. Uh, that's probably why. But, um, yeah, I mean, this is – I mean, outside of the Commanders, which I think you guys beat, uh, Bills, Cowboys, back-to-back weeks, that's that's the tell right there. Um, do you hang with the Bills? That's really – if you can hang with the Buffalo Bills, you're a contender for sure immediately right there. And then to go right back and then play the Cowboys the following week, those are big tells for the Minnesota Vikings. Um, I've obviously had my uh, thoughts about the schedule up to point, but, you know, uh, you guys are six and one. You're an automatic contender in the NFC at six and one, and I'm excited for those games because, um, from an NFL aspect, if the from an NFL fans aspect, if you guys hang with the Bills and Cowboys, you guys are seriously talking about coming out of the coming out of the NFC this year. Um, so yes, I think that there's no doubt there's cont- that you're a contender. Justin, I agree. I agree. Uh, go Bears. Fuck y'all. Still go here, but I agree. Uh, segment five. I Miami improves the five and zero with Tua Tagovailoa as their quarterback. Are the Dolphins Buffalo's biggest threat in the AFC outside of Kansas City? I think it's possible. I mean, I've had my questions about Tua as a franchise quarterback. I think he's got his limitations, but obviously those weapons could make any quarterback look good. Like you know, we talked about Fields earlier. Imagine if Fields had Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill, Mike just fucking like, A would be in the Super Bowl time. Mike McDaniel. Oh, like, you know, like that's the recipe for for success for most quarterbacks. So I mean, the I I I agree. I feel like they could be the second or third best team in that AFC, that tough AFC right now, just because you know, Miami beat Buffalo, you know, people kind of forget that. Two or through six tutties, you know, they, you know, they came back. And I still feel I feel like the Bills are a little cocky right now. And I still have questions about the running game. I would not be surprised if Miami got hot during the playoffs. And if they drew a game against Buffalo, if they kind of upset Buffalo in the playoffs, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, every good, every team is due for a loss in September in Miami. There, uh, every, there's every, every year a good team is going to go into Miami in September and lose because it's 105 degrees out. I've seen it too many times. I don't care how good your team is. You're going to go into September in Miami. It's going to be 105 degrees, and you're going to kill yourself, and you're going to lose. I've watched it. I thought, that, I thought that game was in Buffalo, though. No, it was in Miami. <laughs> I'm almost positive it was in Miami. It might be. I don't know. 
I can double check. I mean, I thought it was in Buffalo. That's why I was so impressed by it. But e- either way, I'm still impressed. No, it was in Miami. It's impressive. You beat the Bills. It's impressive. I'm not yeah. taking anything away from them. I just watched it a million times. The team go into fucking Miami and lose in September. I don't care if you think their team's going to go 15 and one. That's going to be the game they fucking lose because it's 105 degrees in Miami. But uh, go on, Thomas. I'm sorry. No, man, you're good. I mean, it's just, you know, when you just have those weapons, I think you're an automatic contender. And, you know, I think it's, it's truly a three team race in the AFC in my mind. It's Buffalo, it's Miami, and it is Kansas City. You know, those are the three powerhouses on offense. You know, offense wins games. Offense wins championships. You know, you defense could take you only as far as they could. But I think Miami's got both. They just acquired Bradley Chubb. You know, they're making the moves that need to be made to make a championship run. So I think the Dolphins are absolutely the biggest threat. I, I might even put them ahead of Kansas City because Buffalo just beat them. You know, I, I really do believe in Miami with a healthy tool. Fuck, I just watched the fucking Chiefs hang 44 on the 49ers. I don't know if I can put any one of those two. I think Miami is definitely the biggest threat outside of Kansas City, um, but I do think that there's a pretty big gap in between Kansas City and Buffalo uh, when it drops down to Miami. And then I put Miami in your Baltimore, your Bengals range. That's where I have Miami in. Uh, and I think that really it might only, in my eyes, be just Miami and uh, Baltimore. I don't know about the Bengals. So I think it's just probably Kansas City, Buffalo, pretty big drop off, Miami and uh, Miami and Baltimore, and then a little drop off, and then Cincinnati. And outside of those five right there, I don't know if I like the rest of the AFC. Serious questions about the Titans, regardless of their record. They play in the easiest division in football. Chargers are injured as hell and struggling like a motherfucker. So, yeah, I would say, yes, Miami is maybe the biggest threat outside of Kansas City, but I think it's a pretty far drop-off. What do you, what do you think is a drop-off again? I think it's Miami – or I think it's Buffalo, Kansas City, heavy drop-off, Miami, Baltimore, little drop-off, Bengals. And I think those are the only five teams that will be, that will be competing come January. Um, I feel like – um, so I know I, you don't like the Chiefs, Justin. No, no, no. I, I completely. I mean, they shut me up. I mean, yeah. I was, I was, I was wrong. I'll admit it. I was wrong. Um, I just think, I think the, I think matchups. I think if you just look at the teams, right, individually, you're looking at their seasons, you're looking at how they, you know, who they playing, all of that. That's different because matchups matter. I think if you match the teams up, as good as the 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 Chiefs are looking on a on a on a week to week basis like you said they just hung 44 on uh, San Francisco but if you look at these teams like at a on a week to week basis i think i'll probably take the uh, chiefs but i think that matchup matters i think miami is used to seeing josh allen uh even though they 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 pretty much lose every time except for uh you know earlier in the year um, I think they just match up better. I think they've been trying to find an answer for him for years. I think they, I know that they see him twice a year. So even though I know Kansas City, you know, kind of see him every year as well, it's not the same. I mean, you know, you got division rifles. So they got that division thing going on. So, you know, that can always, that, that always plays a part. Then I think they just match up well, man. I think I just like having uh, Miami matches up versus um, 
the Bills, to be honest. I mean, you know, you got those two corners out there. You got X, Byron Jones, uh, what's his name, Javon Holland. You know, he out there balling. They just added Bradley Chubb, so you got to see uh, the dynamic that he brings to the to the uh, pass rush. So I don't know, man. I think you know. I just I don't know. I just I just like the matchup a little better. So for me, I think it is um, right now today. I, I, I will go Miami, but I think Roquan being added to Baltimore's defense, I, I, I would still put Miami ahead of Baltimore, but. If they could figure that out in Baltimore and they, and they start playing like like the potential that that defense has to be a Super Bowl contender, man, I think you got to watch out for that. But if I if I got to choose right now today, I'm I'm, I'm gonna go Miami just based off of that um that two year matchup thing that 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 division rival kind of thing. I just I just I just like the matchup. JB. So the original question was about Tua, correct? No, who's the no. big is Miami the biggest threat in the AFC outside of Kansas City? Okay, well I am gonna talk about Tua though. I just, I think Tua just makes them a gritty team. If that makes sense, I feel like when he's on the field with that team, like they're humming. I I think. They're essentially the same team with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback or whoever you want to throw in there. But with Tua, it makes them a little gritty. I don't know. Um, their defense is tough. Um, adding Bradley Chubb is obviously huge. Uh, but we can't forget that Baltimore had those guys on the ropes for – fuck. 46 oh, minutes them. a game. They had them smoked. So, I, w- I would almost put Baltimore ahead because I don't think they would lose to them again. Wait, wait. Who who won that game? Miami did. Oh, okay. I was, I was making sure. Yeah, okay. But Baltimore was whooping their ass the whole time. Was that sarcastic? I couldn't tell if that was sarcasm or not. Was sarcastic. I was being sarcastic. <laughs> no, I, dude, I mean, I'm with JB on this one. But I've had the, I've been – I've been riding the Ravens this year. I would say Miami's a Minnesota type of team. If that makes sense. There's just no Buffalo and Kansas City and the AFC. Correct. Right. So I would say Buffalo, KC, Gap, Baltimore, then Miami, Gap, Bengals, and then it doesn't even matter. Wait, so your answer is KC then, not not Baltimore. No, 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 no. The the I mean he the we all agreeing that the Chiefs are the biggest threat to the yeah. Bills. Well, Miami is what I'd say. But he's saying he thinks Baltimore is a bigger threat. Which no, I would almost agree. You said you just said we all agree that the that the Chiefs are the biggest threat to the Bills. Yeah. You disagree? I I disagree. I said Miami. Okay. I told oh, you I, right. I like I like that matchup better. But I'm Go talking on. about y'all. You said can't you so you and JB and Thomas too? Y'all yeah, all I agree. Mean, I'm going Miami. Wait, what the hell, I, Thomas? You wrote the script. Because <laughs> I wrote the, the script, that doesn't mean I have to agree with you it. Put the fucking question in there. Damn right okay. I did. You okay, hand so pick it up. Now. You hand pick it up. Miami's undefeated with Tua. You know, like, how do I not put them ahead of Kansas City? Yeah, you had Teddy Bridgewater. Kansas City. Tyler Thompson. 
I'm going. I'm going. I think Miami is the biggest threat outside of Kansas City. The case. So we got me and Thomas on the Miami train, and and, and you and JB on the KC train. I love it. I have Miami at my four. I think y'all. Yeah, I got you. I I'm, I mean I I'd put them almost even in my eyes. I think Miami and Baltimore, Baltimore toe to toe. Baltimore doesn't scare me as long as Lamar Jackson has to throw the football. So. Yeah, but when he's running that bitch, it's hard to stop that run. Um. Yeah. I mean, I feel like. I I don't know. I think it's just. I think the Chiefs. The chief. The, the two people who told me that they were doubting the Chiefs this year are still doubting the Chiefs. The Chiefs are the Chiefs, man. If the, if the Bills play, if. If if the Bills in Kansas City had to play right now, who you think will win? Who y'all taking? The Bills. Exactly. That's we we not said we talking why, about the Bills as the best team in the AFC. Why There's would no you doubt. Pay, okay? Why? Okay, I leave it alone. So, okay, so you're you're giving Miami the edge because they beat Buffalo. Is okay. what you're saying. And the division, they got that division thing going on, man. You just, for whatever reason, you just can't predict it sometimes. I'm Kansas saying, City's biggest matchup. Win this year. It's, it's the, it, I don't know. It's the matchup. I think they, I think they just match up with them better. To be honest, it's like I'm just saying, like, like Miami went down and they like came back and really hung in there with Buffalo, and no one kind of expected that. Like, what is Kansas City's win this year? Like, what is their big statement win? Fucking, fucking beating the 49ers by like 25. But the Niners aren't that good this year, though. Their roster's damn what are good. They, what are they, like four and four? Yeah. No, so, like, that doesn't impress me. They're coming. You know? They're co- Don't sleep on we them. They're they coming. Are. They're going to be humming. I'm, they just spanked the Rams. I'm not scared of Jimmy Garoppolo, okay? Like, I'm not scared of Jimmy Garoppolo's ammo, too. That Jimmy Garoppolo's been – He doesn't have the weapons years. like that Miami had. He doesn't have those two key wide receivers. He does, I don't think any – I don't even think the Niners have a Waddle or a uh, – Tyreek Hill. I don't think Debo's on any of their levels right now. So yeah, I mean, I think D. I think Debo a different. He's a different type of player. He's more of uh, not anymore with McCaffrey there. He won't be used as that guy. So I think that brings his value die down. Now that he has to be a receiver primarily, I don't. I don't like it. I don't I, like the Niners. I just don't. He, he fucking hates it. Let's get into the trade deadline because there was a. This was the busiest trade deadline in the history of NFL. I'm not just saying that to say that it's true. 10 meal, ten deals made on deadline day uh, with one of the biggest ones not even coming on deadline day and the biggest one coming like two weeks before deadline day and Christian McCaffrey. Uh, we'll start off with uh, my boy, Roquan Smith, going to the Ravens for A.J. Klein. Straight up. That's all it was. Um, A.J. Klein, a 2023 second-round pick and a 2023 fifth-round pick. Uh, we'll go. We'll do a little grading system. How about it? A little quick thoughts or a little little quick thoughts, a little quick triggers. Whatever we're feeling. Uh, are we grading it for both sides? No, okay. it's just yeah. We'll just we don't even need to put a we don't even put a label on it. Just how you feel, how you feel about the trade, both sides, whatever. Um. You know, I'm going to give the Ravens. This is an absolute home run for the Ravens. This is an A. You know, the Ravens, they're always, you know, they always seem to come out on the best, you know, the best on these type of deals. Um, I give it – I'm going to give Baltimore an A, and I'm, I'm going to give Chicago a C plus. You know, I, I felt like this is just – you know, I don't get it. I mean, I understand he wants out. They might necessarily – they might not necessarily want to pay Roquan, but I'm also not a fan of letting – what is he, 25? 
25 year old, you know, young stars, you know, I don't like letting them go, especially for that type of value. I felt like if they could have gotten like two seconds and like a fourth, I'd be like, you know what? That is a pretty good haul for a non-premium position. And I Ooh, just, okay. Who, okay. Name, tell me, tell me one franchise right now that's paying two second round picks for Roquan's and a fourth for a second round for Roquan's. Well, well, I mean, that's, well, the problem is everyone was going to lowball the bears because they knew he didn't want to be there. You know, what? he, he asked for a train in August. If I'm an opposing GM in the league, I'm not. A, I, I'm a lowball, a rookie Ryan Poles. I'm not going to give you my best offer. I'm going to try to take advantage of you. And I think that's exactly what Baltimore did in this situation. It almost seemed like a deal that, like, look, Ryan Poles, you know, he wants everything fresh, everything new. You know, he wants to just get as many draft picks as possible, kind of do his own thing. I get that. But, again, I'm still not a fan of letting good players go. I'm just not. And Roquan Smith, he's leading the league in tackles right now at 83. He's got two and a half sacks. He's got two interceptions, three pass deflections. You know, right now on paper, you know, he's, you know, he looks like a stud. He is a young guy you want to build around the, that defense. I would pay him $20 million a year. You know, That's crazy. I, I don't think that's crazy because of there's just a lack of talent on that defense as it is. And – I guess well, yeah, he can't he cannot succeed without a good defensive line. He he was awful at stopping the run this year. He can have all the tackles because the defensive line's walking right through, but he was so bad at filling his gaps this season. I'm one of the biggest Roquan Smith supporters. I am. But he I mean, watching him play football this year was extremely frustrating because he was trying to do so much and he was not even close. He was trying to undercut all these blocks instead of staying in his gap and stopping the run. And that just he was a one of the reasons why we have one of the worst run defenses in the NFL. And it showed on Sunday. He was I mean, hey, if you thought it was Sunday. bad before, it's going to be worse now. And that's totally like, fine. I'm the, I mean, the I almost wonder, though, if he's cool. also losing all of those guys like Akeem Hicks, obviously. But I almost wonder if knowing he didn't want to be there, if he kind of lost a little bit of that passion, and you know, knowing that they're not a good football team, that, you know, if he kind of lost, you know, <laughs> just like that grit. You know that every player kind of has knowing. It's like, okay, we're not winning football games. Our GM and our head coach have made it very clear that you know we are not going to win a lot of football games by all the changes that have happened. Where, which leads him to wanting out. I have a problem. I guess if you want to move up from Roquan, I can see an argument. Again, I'm still not a fan of letting good players go. I think I just I feel like they sold low because they had no other options. Because they, you know, it would have been a, it would have been a big issue internally. And they would have tagged him. Guaranteed he would have made a big deal out of that. He he oh. actually said that he liked the idea of being tagged in his press conference. He said, I, I enjoy the idea of being uh, tagged. I'm getting paid $19 million to be tagged. And he wants that long-term deal. So he may have been like, he'll, that's what, well, that's the thing is, you know, as. So why would he be playing? Why would he be playing weak? Why would he give up on a contract? He's playing for a contract. So why would he yeah. take a step oh. out and like not try? He's if, getting a contract he, either way. He's one, he's a top five middle linebacker in the league for a reason. And someone's going to pay him. Obviously, Chicago did not want to do that because Ryan Poles, you know, he probably believes he could find a replacement in the third round, second round for very similar production. That's just the kind of guys you get in those kind of GMs who are just, you know, full-time scouts. So that's kind of what – that's the vibe I kind of get where they just feel like he's replaceable. A lot of GMs, you know, like Ryan Poles, they just want to build through the draft, you know. They'll spend money on certain positions – but, you know, they truly want to bring in that homegrown talent to the draft in there, guys. There's no loyalty to, to Roquan. I'm just – I'm very surprised they sold for as low as they did. Maybe I not don't think it's that low. I don't think that there's that many low. teams paying 
paying for an off-ball linebacker. And today's smart GMs are not handing two second-round picks for an off-the-ball linebacker, and it's not a premium position. And I don't think smart GMs are handing $20 million contracts to off-the-ball linebackers. It's the same – in my eyes, it's the exact same thing as the running back position. Who – why – look, if you, if you could sit here and tell me every single team right now that handed $16-plus million, $15-plus million to a linebacker and tell me their success rate over the last – Five years, I will. If you could tell me a Super Bowl team that handed 15 million, 16 million dollars to a running back, I will be stunned. There, it's the exact same thing in my eyes. The linebacker that is not a roster recipe for success. You don't hand 20 million dollars to off ball linebackers and you don't hand 15 million dollars to uh running backs. If you look at every single team that has handed 15 million dollars to a running back, tell me their success rate. I'll tell you right now, Cowboys, mid Vikings, great this year, last four years. Under well, it's been like what two years since Cook got an extension. Mid, not taking a dig at you guys. Saints, sixteen million dollars. Mid, Panthers, CMC. Mid, you don't hand sixteen million dollars to non-premium positions anymore, and you don't do the same thing with linebackers. There's not a smart. Fred Fred Warner is like the. You know, those are guys. What did Bobby Wagner? What did the Seahawks do in like the last five years of his contract? What what about? Did he get Darius, what are the Colts? Yeah, what are the Colts? Darius Leonard set the first. It's not because literally it's, it's, Fred it's, Warner it's, is the only outlier. <laughs> the only one. Bobby the Wagner was one. paid in Seattle and they still had a lot of good years. Good years, not great. They because they're paying him so much. They were never, they never got past like the first round once they handed him that contract. You don't do that. That is not a recipe for success. There's five. You one, knock lock down the quarterback position. Two, you lock down a pass rusher. Three, protect the passer. Four, pass catchers. Five, pass defenders. It is all with the pass. And Fred Warner is an outlier. That dude is pretty much a strong safety. He is an outlier. He's by far the best coverage linebacker and by far the best run blocking linebacker. Roquan will always have the statistics, yes. But if you look at who really is making more of an impact on the field, it is by far. Fred Warner, and there's so much more success around him in that roster that he makes everything flow so much better. But successful franchises in the NFL are not handing massive contracts to linebackers and running backs. I don't think that there's any difference. And I don't think in my eyes, maybe it is a low sell in somewhat of a sense. Maybe they could have gotten like a second and a fourth. But in my eyes, I don't think that there's any argument that they could have landed two second round picks. When you have Jerry Judy, who would be going for just a second, more impactful guys in more premium positions. Jerry, I just Roquan is good. Uh, Has a Roquan made a Pro Bowl? I think he made one Pro Bowl. No All Pros. Everyone keeps saying All Pro linebacker on Twitter, like he's made the All Pro. He he has. I, I mean, I've made my arguments for him to be an All Pro. Don't get me wrong, but obviously, the rest of the media and the rest of the voters don't see it. So I'm either I either I'm just being biased last four years or I'm fucking missing something because he has played good football. But at the end of the day, I just don't think that there is a smart franchise out there that is going to hand him a twenty million dollar contract and like he is asking for. And a, maybe there, there's going to be a team that will do it. And I I'd be willing to bet my fucking future my entire life that that team does not win a Super Bowl in the next five years. And any team that hands a fucking running back $17 million, like they're going to hand out here very soon, I will bet you fucking money 
on my life, that team will not win a Super Bowl in the next five years because that's not what smart franchises do. You lock down your quarterback position first and you go from there. You pass rushers. You The whole entire state of the NFL revolves around passing the football now. And if you are not there, you are slow. Matt, literally listen to Matt Eberflus's press conference today. They asked him a question, you know, you being in Indianapolis and taking Quentin Nelson at a six, were you pushing Chris Ballard to take Roquan Smith at six? And he goes, I'm sorry, but there's no chance I was convincing Chris Ballard to take an off the ball linebacker at pick six because it's stupid to do so. Roquan has been pick six though. I feel like it goes both ways. Quentin Nelson's really the only outlier for that. How many teams are really going to invest a, a top five or top six pick in a guard? Well, it's worked out in their favor. It's worked out in their favor. I mean, regardless, you can't knock the pick because it's worked out tremendously. It's like a four-time All-Pro. But I agree. Who's investing in guards? It worked out with them. It's all tackles, wide receivers, pass rushers, quarterbacks. That is what makes up the first round and DBs. Literally, those five positions. You'll get your little fucking – you'll get your off-the-ball linebacker around 22. You'll get your fucking – You'll get your little tight end around 25, and you'll get maybe the best running back in the draft around 26. But this is the way the league is moving. It is a passing league, and I think that if, if I think that Ryan Pohl said, okay, this kid wants $20 million. I was going to pay him 15. There's going to be no middle ground found here. It sucks that I have to give away of a good player. And maybe he sold slightly low, but he's realizing – and he's realizing, okay, I got to get rid of this guy because – I'm not going to sign him. I might as well get value from what I can because I don't think there's any scenario in my head that they get a deal done in the offseason. I think there's zero chance because I don't think that – I think it's been very, very clear, obviously, with the trade happening, that Ryan Poles was going to give him a $20 million contract. And it sucks that you got to let your best players go, but if you want to build for a championship roster, it's the smartest move for the – it's the smartest move in my eyes for the future. And it sucks because our defense just lost its – it just lost best player. one of one of its best players. I w- well, it, I think Roquan's its best player, and then they lost Robert Quinn, which is like their third or fourth best player. So, it, it sucks, and it's it, but I do think it's a smart move. I think it's a better move for the future, and obviously our next. If you Justin and JB, I'm sorry, didn't mean to. You guys can chime in whenever. Now, I'll just say real quick. Um, I don't I hear what you're saying. Like, I don't think it's necessarily I don't think it's bad to invest that money. I just feel like it depends on the situation that you're in as a franchise. Like, I think like suppose the Bills right now. Right. I mean, they got everything right. They got the quarterback, they got the pass rushing out. They got the if the Bills added rope, if I don't, I don't and, and let's 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 take all the math out of it, whatever. Right. If the Bills had the money, I don't know if they got the money, probably not. Because the Von Miller contract, whatever, right? If they can get him on a, a, a one year, whatever. I, I don't know. You figure out the numbers, whatever. I could see the Bills paying that kind of money for Roquan. That'd be perfect for them. Or a team like, um, let's say, like the uh, Chargers. Now, granted, they got to be healthy, all of that. I feel like, but I feel like they can make a, a serious deep uh, run. So, I mean, it's just, I just feel like you, you, you can invest in, you can invest in him now. This isn't going like the success is going to be immediate. Yes. This is just more of a long-term cap issue. You don't like, it's like, okay. Yeah. You've got the money to invest $20 million into Roquan Smith. Now two years down the road, am I going to be able to pay, you know, my star wide receiver, what he wants? 
Am I going to be able to pay my left tackle what he wants? Am I going to be able to, okay, so you can give them what he wants as well, but then you're losing some very key, important defensive linemen. Now you're losing some very key, important guards. You're losing your center. But at the same time, if I know I'm, I could boast on my defense for this season and go all in and win a championship like the Rams last year, and then, you know, just down the line, because you can say that about the Bills. That Von Miller contract is going to be bad. I'm telling you, that's 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 going to come back. But look at it right now. Oh, they got Von Miller. They got, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, this. But it's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a pass rusher, though. He's a pass rusher. He's not a linebacker. Yeah, he's not an off-the-ball yeah. linebacker. He, he, oh. The off-the-ball linebacker is your running backs of the day. There is no issue. I have zero issue. That contract will hurt them in four years, probably. I have no issue with it, though, because, yes, it could get them a Super Bowl. But they didn't hand, they didn't hand $100 million. They didn't hand $100 million to an off-the-ball linebacker. That's the difference. They handed it to a pass rusher, which in my opinion, which in my opinion is the most second most important position in football right now. If you can take a quarterback and put pressure on him and make him make plays, that is massive. You have to put the pressure on him because the most important position in the league is quarterback. You need I mean, someone yeah. who can put the if, pressure on him. If you compare the two, right, obviously, right, you take the pass rush over the linebacker. But I'm saying, like, that's why I said the charges, you know, if, if I got the pass rush and I feel like, okay, I could just insert him and this will probably give me a ring, that's worth it. Yeah, it, 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 it might come back to bite you two years, but if you if you can get one ring out of it, it's worth it, man. I just I don't know. I just I think that like if, there's, if there's any team that is investing in Roquan Smith and they get a ring out of it, it is because the roster is already phenomenal. And they probably um, – they it was maybe he's just like the, you know, that yeah. last little push. That's the only reason I say out of it. That's the only thing I, I – mean, if if you add Roquan to your that. roster and you get – and you win a Super Bowl, it is because you already have a quarterback. It is because you have a pass rush. You have pass defenders and pass catchers. That's the I, only like, – I, mean I don't that. think – I don't think that they're like – the Ravens in my eyes are not going to win a Super Bowl now because they added Roquan Smith. He's going know. to be a – He's, he's going to be a phenomenal player, but their pass catchers, suspect. Right. Their quarterback, good. Still questions about him in the postseason. And their secondary is good. Their pass rush is solid, but this is not going to make them – this is not going to – this move did not win them the Super Bowl, and this is not going to win them the Super Bowl. Insert OBJ, different conversation. That's a pass catcher, one of the most – that's the five – I'm, I'm exactly. telling you guys, I'm gonna write a but, fucking book. I'm gonna write a fucking happen. book. You can't just the five formulas of football. Right. Number, I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna write a fucking book. I'm JB, just saying. You got anything to say about it? Uh I personally would have loved to add Roquan next to Eric Kendricks and uh, our defense. That would have been amazing. Anyone would love Roquan Smith on their team. Right. Everyone outside the Chicago Bears. <laughs> but. I guess it does make sense from a Bears standpoint to let him go. I don't even if you do pay him, which I think he will get the money somewhere. I don't think your window is within his contract, if that makes sense. No, Bears about four years away. So you give him that money, it's not really doing you anything to build towards. Um, and I'm gonna kind of go into the next one and kind of combine the two. You pretty much traded Roquan for Chase Claypool and AJ Klein. You moved down in the second round and added a fifth round pick. 
On paper, that does not look good from a value standpoint. I have said this already in our group chats. Chase Claypool needs to pan out for that move to kind of make any sense. I would agree with that. There's yeah. a lot of pressure on, Clay, on Chase Claypool to succeed, Although, especially that second yeah. round pick could be, you know, that that's a potentially a top 40 pick. Yeah. You know? I, so, I just think you could have juiced a little more out of Roquan. So, so I, I don't mind the trading him. I just think you could have gotten more. I agree with that. I just, I mean, I, I do agree that maybe a little, I don't think the more is as much as you guys think it is. I think the fourth, the fifth maybe could have been a fourth. I don't see any franchise giving up a two and a three. That's tough. Maybe, maybe a two and a three you can get. We did for Hawkinson. And his tight end a premium position, I'm just saying. I would consider it more premium than linebackers. In today's game, pass catchers are huge. Travis Kelsey, uh, that guy helps I'm you. Serious, I, I would have been just as happy trading a two and a three for Roquan this year than oh, I would absolutely. for TJ Hawkinson. Yeah, but TJ Hawkinson puts you guys closer to a Super Bowl in my eyes than Roquan Smith would have. But does it? Right. Yes. Does I think it. he. I, mean, he, I think he. he I but I think it's even way more elite now than it was than it would have been. We have the pass catchers, right? We, we have the D line. You add him next to Kendricks, holy money. He's a damn he's a damn good linebacker. But I think that TJ Hawkinson help has more of an impact. I, I, do. I think he opens I think he opens so many more levels up for your offense now. It take Irv Smith, as good as he, you know, somewhat is, Hawkinson, I think, is a much better tight end than he is. And there's a reason that you guys traded. Him traded for him. Like obviously Irv's hurt, but you guys are going to hand extension to TJ Hawkinson. You guys are going to pay TJ Hawkinson. You don't give up a two and a three. I get it. There's two fourths involved without extending him though. You, you guys are going back, to you just move back in the draft, basically. I know, I know, but you're yeah. gonna extend him. You're gonna you're gonna give him a contract. I would hope so, but yeah, exactly. You don't know. And, I mean, he does have two years who, under under his deal and a franchise tag year, so that's three years that you have control. Do who would you rather hand money to? TJ Hawkinson or Roquan Smith? Roquan Smith. But You're that's nuts. that's what I'm saying. The gap from Irv to TJ Hawkinson and the gap from like Jordan Hicks to Roquan Smith the gap from Jordan Hicks to Roquan Smith is miles higher. I'd probably take Roquan over Eric Kendricks, like, straight up right now, just to have going forward. Yeah. Did you, like, go to a game and, like, you, like, called Roquan and he, like, didn't turn his head or something? Like, like what's to you, man? Like, no, bro. I love Roquan Smith. I wish him nothing but the best. I've been this motherfucker's biggest I think, supporter. I think Will's in that stage where, <laughs> where a lot of people are when they're – I have been that, his – Whatever look, move go, they make is always the right move. Go look, at, go look at my Twitter. Go look at my Twitter. I've been fucking all about Roquan Smith. But in today's game, like, I mean, I'm fucking – I'm sick of this Monsters of the Midway. We need a fucking linebacker. You fucking don't. Like – it's not today's game, really. It's just I, my eyes have opened beyond levels of frustration with this franchise where it's like, okay, I look at the franchises like the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills and, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles. I look at those franchises and I look at who they're paying. That's what I'm seriously doing. This is what's opening my eyes and realizing this kind of shit. Because if you would have told me last year that we did not 
re-signed Roquan Smith and we traded him to the Baltimore Ravens for a second to fifth, I would have been pissed. I would have. But literally in the offseason, I literally opened my eyes to a whole new aspect of it. And I look at these other franchises and I look at who they're paying their big money to and what they got going on and why they're succeeding. These teams are succeeding in the five most important positions in football. That is, this is what is opening my eyes. Don't let I me mean, who look at those three teams, the best three teams in the NFL right now. Tell me they're off ball linebacker that's getting $20 million. They're quarterbacks. That's what I mean, I'm saying. But that's, you have the number great one. quarterbacks number can overcome one. a lot. You have a pass rush. You have a secondary. You don't need to invest in an off ball linebacker because you can pay the other premium positions. But they're paying their quarterbacks $40 million a year plus. Because that's hell fucking yeah, bad. exactly. I don't know. No, I know he's not there. But that's what I'm saying. If he's not there, goodbye. I am sick of holding on to these players because I like them. I want these premium positions. That's what I Everybody, want. I look at the best teams. I've been looking at the best teams. And I've been seeing what they've been doing and who they're investing their money in. And they're not investing their money into linebackers. That's the bottom line. Everybody's situation different, though. The Chiefs don't I get a number, one, a number one wide out. They don't got a number one lockdown corner right now. Travis Kelsey's a number one wideout. That motherfucker has wide receiver numbers. They don't got it. They don't. They don't even got a pass rusher. I mean, they got Chris, 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 Chris Jones. Who George Carl Laftis. On a, on a, on a, on a, on a Fucking edge. Greek freak, George Carl Laftis. They still got Frank Clark over there. Yeah. All right, man. Okay, you got it. All right, Will. So I know, I know you were talking recently about the wide receiver market as well. Very weak. Yes. No, I'm saying in general, like the price of a, a wide receiver, it's going yeah, up. It is. Astronomically. So Chase in Claypool. Both, in, in terms of both paying and like terms of both paycheck and uh, compensation and trades. Yes. Yep. Immensely so going say this Chase Claypool works out <laughs> and you pay him $25 million. Holy shit. Oh, I'll kill myself. What? Whoa. It is going up, though. It is going up. I mean, it's going up, but $25 million. Did he have 1,400 I mean, yards oh, and 15 touchdowns? Yeah. Oh, Chris, yeah, Christian Kirk just got 20? He got 17. It's close and, enough. And I that mean, was yeah. Like, that, and that was an overpaying. We all agreed on an overpaying. They got to pay Mooney as well. So you're paying both guys that are unfortunately in the same tier. So mm-hmm. how do you decide mm-hmm. that, you know? No, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm really hoping that they got to be putting $40 million dollars um, probably in the two dudes. I'm really hoping that – no. I mean, I don't think that either of them touch 20, honestly. And if they do, I'm shocked. But Claypool and Mooney both have technically a little time under their contract. And if Ryan Pace, I think, was smart and he thinks that the value could be there now and he thinks that these guys are, you know, smart guys, I would extend them this offseason, hand them, you know, a two-year deal. Two-year deal. A two-year deal. Pace, not polls. Polls. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we've spent way too much time on this right now. Um, we got to move on to Bradley Chubb. Uh, we kind of we kind of got the gist of Claypool and Roquan Smith in that matter there. Bradley Chubb for a first, Chase Edmonds and a fourth, and Chubb in a fifth, a twenty twenty. Oh my god, that's as good as a fucking bag of chips. And a twenty twenty four fourth, good as two bags of chips. <laughs> Chase Edmonds five bags of chips. Let's talk about the meat and potatoes here. Bradley Chubb for a first. Pretty much all it is right there. Uh, how do we feel about this move for Miami? 
Pretty good, man. I think it just I ain't gonna say too too much because I know we kind of went over on the last segment, but um, I'm just say I think it just adds to my point about the matchups, man. I mean, they 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 know what they got in Josh Allen. They know what they got to compete up against, and I'm telling you, they they slowly but surely they 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 hitting all of those pieces that you was talking about. They got two two corners. They got. The receivers, they got, they just added the pass rusher. You know, you still got uh, Jalen, Jalen, Jalen Phillips on. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, the quarterback. I think, I think the receivers kind of making the quarterback. I think uh, Tua is a, is above average, but um, they hitting all in pieces, man. I just, I'm telling you, that matchup is crazy. I like it. I completely agree with you there, Justin. But the unfortunate part of that situation is if you follow Will G's five. <laughs> Not a premium. Formula Five. If you follow Will G's uh, Formula Five, there, number one on the Formula Five is quarterback, and the Bills have a very, very much better quarterback than the Miami Dolphins. But I do agree, they are investing in the number two of Will G's Formula Five. is a solid investment. I don't know if I necessarily like Bradley Chubb that much, um, but this, I mean, Brian Burns out here was, uh, you know. We're talking two first-round picks. The value is going up on these guys. So um, you need pass rushing to win games, and I really like the Bradley Chubb move for them. I think that it puts them in, you know, you know from the rest of the AFC. I still think the – and we already talked about how we feel about Miami, but I think that this, you know, only benefits them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a good deal for both sides. You know, I feel like this is pretty equal. You know, but, uh, Denver really isn't in position to pay – someone Bradley Chubb $20 million a year. And I don't necessarily think he's worth that, but I also think he's worth, you know, giving up a late first round pick, you know, good teams with title aspirations trade late first round picks in teams with a little bit of a road ahead, you know, where they have a lot of roster building, they value draft picks. That's kind of where I value the two teams. Contenders have no problem throwing picks away, rebuilding teams, they like keeping their picks and having more. So I, I feel like uh, Denver looked at this. I look, we're not going to compete. You know, we're an offensive minded team. We have edge rusher is one position that you really only need really one elite guy, but like, it's a position. If you have enough depth and you can sub these guys in and out, you don't necessarily need to pay big money for like edge rushers are pretty easy to find. Cause there's, they're very common year in year out. You know, you won't, it's not as easy to find a top five guy like a Khalil Mack, you know, someone like that, like a Khalil Mack, Michael Parsons, like, you know, those are not easy to find, but there are plenty of Bradley Chubbs to find. And I do th- feel like for Denver, it's just, you know, it's just a no brainer deal. You got to recoup some of those picks that you got, that you traded for Russ. And their other pass rushers are looking good as well. So are they, they, I don't think that their defenses live live and die by Bradley Chubb by any means. Bradley Chubb's not elite. He's very good, but he's not elite. You know, I like the, I like the move. Yeah. I mean, it's just a solid move for both sides. I'm curious to see what extension he gets from Miami. Cause like I heard like they're pretty close to an extension. Like if he gets like, 25 a year we'll say 20 to 25 like he just you know he's the next guy that goes and gets paid i'm like miami what are you doing like you're gonna have to pay two in a few years what are you doing you know you're gonna have to extend waddle you know you're gonna let jazeki walk your offensive line needs some work you have no running so it's like uh the training for bradley chubb seemed like a move that is for this year you know it just seems like for this year that'll really be impactful like it may not affect them two years from now 
but I think it increases their title chances right now. It's just it's just a very equal trade to me. Like it just really makes sense for both sides. Hawkinson. DJ. Hawkinson in division in the NFC North Lions traded DJ Hawkinson and two fourth round picks for a second and a third or they yeah for the Vikings second and third round pick one of yeah. them being a 2024 third uh I like I I do I somewhat like it uh for both teams I think the Vikings obviously got the better end of the deal um just moving back pretty much uh two rounds in the in the 23 and only a round in 24 um but it's looking more and more each week like the Lions need a lot of help. And more and more each week, like Dan Campbell isn't the guy and Jared Goff's not the guy. I know they just put a hell of a battle up with Miami, but this could give them that ammo to move up a few picks if they have to and go get the quarterback that they want. So I do think at the end of the day, it's a solid deal for both teams. If you're looking at it, you know, value-wise, I think the Vikings definitely got the better end of the deal. But in terms of needs for both teams, I, I like it for both teams. You have no business paying, you know, TJ Hawkinson all that money when you have extremities of holes on your defense and at the quarterback position. And arguably outside of Amon Ross St. Brown, your, your wide receivers are trash. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I feel like this offsets, you know, the trade on draft day that everyone was kind of upset about. <laughs> when the Vikings moved back from 12 all the way to 32. Um, I feel like this deal kind of offsets that because of how bad it was, you know, for the Lions side. I mean, TJ Hawkins is a top five tight end. He's a top five player at his position. And you're telling me the difference of getting him is just basically yeah. moving back two rounds in 23 and one round in 24. You're telling me that's all it takes to get TJ Hawkinson, let alone pay for, like in the division. Like you would think trading in the division automatically puts that price up if you if like if you really want them so I guess to me you know this speaks a lot of volume for like the Lions that they made it fairly clear that they don't respect Hawkinson and they don't think he's going to pan out like the fact that you trade him in the division and you don't give him an extension is just kind of like a slap in the face if I'm like TJ Hawkinson like I'm like I'm pissed like that they basically did not value me enough I've had to suffer here for years. I, he said that today. I mean, he basically threw the lines on the bus today saying that, you know, for once, you know, it's kind of nice to be, you know, waking up and, you know, playing for a winning team. So <laughs> I'm like, you can't throw much more of a dig. Um, I do feel like crazy, you know, he pulled a fast one on Brad Holmes. Brad Holmes dropped the eight ball here. And this is just a no brainer deal for Minnesota. You know, you make this deal 10 out of 10 times, you extend him. I mean, this is a no brainer. It's going to open up the this trade alone. Quazy made this trade simply because they're getting very annoyed by JJ getting double covered. And Thielen is getting older. You need weapons out there. You This helps JJ just as much as it helps the Vikings offense as a whole. Because now they have a guy that could stretch the field. You know, you have your, your, you know, you have your George Kittle, you have your Kelsey in for this type of offense, where it's like, this is a dude that's, has the potential to have a thousand receiving yards a year and a hundred plus catches and 10 plus touchdowns. I mean, he's only 25 years old and he's under contract for two more seasons, 530 K this year and 9.3 million next season. And a franchise tag, I believe is only around like 12 million. 
So you're looking at Hawkinson under contract for roughly three more seasons. And when he is due to get paid, Kirk Cousins' contract will be off the books. So you have plenty of cap space to work with at that time. There'll be a lot of money to work with. No Harrison Smith, no Thielen, no Kirk. There's a lot of money that could be used on JJ and Hawkinson. So this kind of just is like another key piece you bring in, in my opinion, is going forward, this is the Justin Jefferson and TJ and TJ Hawkinson offense. You know, you are building it around these guys. You know, they're not fully blowing it up doing a rebuild, but they're slowly like bringing pieces in such as Hawkinson and others to have going forward. You know, they're, you're not going to blow it up completely and just start from scratch. They're doing both. They're doing a competitive rebuild where they're still bringing in young talent, but they're also still winning with the guys they already have. So they're just adding to it. JB, your team? Uh, yeah, I mean, I love it. I do. I think TJ Hawkinson can be a, a game changer. I think this kind of closes the door on Irv Smith long term. I think having him and TJ back uh, come like playoff time, that'll be a scary duo to see come to come to fruition. But um, generally speaking, I don't mind giving up those picks. Kind of like Thomas was saying, I'd moving down two rounds this draft and one round next draft. I mean, uh, give me TJ Hawkinson 10 times out of 10. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't know what the lines are up to as far as trading him within the division. Um, that that threw me for a loop. I think he's gonna have some vengeance on his mind, and I think we could see see some some scary T.J. Hawkinson games here in the near future. At least I'd hope. Um, I, I think you don't it does. Trade open good up. players away, like I said earlier, man. You just don't. Yeah, I think it it will open up a lot more uh, for J.J. because I think now defenses are really truly gonna have to focus a lot more in the middle of the field. Uh, with guys like Thielen or Hawkinson hanging out trying to bust some co- uh, some coverages. So um, I'm really encouraged by what our offense can give. Um, and I still think this leaves a little bit of room for an OBJ type of signing. Um, I know we could probably move around some money. And- Kendrick's restructure would be the first thing. I I think there's a ton of vets that would say, all right, let's do it. Let's make a run at this damn thing. Let's get OBJ here. Let's Especially go. the guys who have been there a long time, you know, like Kendricks, like your Daniel Hunters, like your Harrisons. I don't know if you can restructure Harrisons. Myth already restructured, so he can't do it. Yeah. Um, I, I guess I'm, you know, I'm not in the Minnesota books, but. <laughs> um, It'd probably yeah. be Kendricks. But they still yeah. have eight million if they like restructured Kendricks. Like if they wanted to bring in Odell, like they've already had internal conversations about Odell, and the connections are there. He, Kevin O'Connell was his offensive coordinator last year. He's Justin Jefferson's mentor. You know he has had some type of connection in Minnesota. I don't know what it is exactly. Whether it's some like a cousin or someone that lives there. I forgot. What, I okay, that, but, no another okay. No, you had you yeah. had me on the you had me on the first two. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure I got. I'm pretty sure he has a cousin in Minnesota. He's got family. I'll, I'll, I'll do some digging. 
I'm pretty sure I got a fucking cousin out in LA. I'm gonna be a fucking Oscar-winning movie star next year. <laughs> we're, we're flying down the rabbit hole now. But the, the first two, yes, you got me there. You got you got me with the KOC. You got me with the JJ. But you start talking about cousins up in Minneapolis, <laughs> and you fucking yeah, lost. Kirk <laughs> Cousins in Minneapolis. Kirk Cousins. Okay. All right. Now that that makes that makes all the more difference there. That that I understand. Yes, the cousin. Family. His third cousin is Minnesota. What are you talking about? He needs Captain Kirk. But yeah, I feel like we're all on the same page with the Hawkinson trade. It was a good move, and uh, yeah, I will say I I will I will I will defend the Lions a little bit. I do think that they're going to maybe need some ammo if they uh, can sneak out a few games to pretend they go get the Bryce Young. If they don't end up with one point one, I don't know. Imagine imagine Bryce Young with T.J. Hawkinson, DeAndre Swift. James Williams and Amon Ross St. Brown. Why do you not want him a part of that? That's what confuses the hell out of me. Like Brad Holmes, what are you doing, dude? Yeah, I, I mean, I get that too. Yeah, I do. Um, and they got a ton of money. Yeah, like what do you, yeah, you, you have this million draft picks? What are you doing? Like, this is a dude you lock up. Like, I mean, yeah, but at the same, maybe they, they, I just think that they have so many holes. Like, maybe they just are like, okay, we've got to fill everything else first. But why add another hole? You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, we have all these holes. Oh, let's trade this great play, you know, this franchise caliber player away that we could kind of build and help our quarterback with. So you just created (laughs) another hole for what? An extra second and a third? And you had to give up two picks back? You know, like, if if it was just just a second and third, I'd be like, okay, that might be a little steep for TJ Hawkinson for a tight end. But the fact that you got the two forced back is just so bad on Brad Holmes. When I first looked at it, when I first got the notification, Hawkinson in uh, Minnesota, I thought it was the second, a third, and two fourths. And I was like, holy fuck. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit, Quasi. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Just traded the fucking entire 2023 draft class for old boy there. <laughs> fucking old big hairy fucker. I was like, Jesus. But oh, uh, but when I when I looked at it, I was like, oh, because you guys have seen it me immediately see my reaction in the chat when the trade went down. I said that motherfucker's worth that much. I was like, God damn. But yeah, end of the day, I like the deal for them. Uh, let's move on to power rankings. This is obviously always the juiciest part of the show. Um, JB gets his first power rankings episode. I think this is Justin's first power rankings episode as well. So this ought to be a little bit juicy. We'll go ahead and kick it off with the AFC as we always do because we're all NFC fans. Let's go ahead and start with our number one slot. I think we have all been very clear on who number one is, and it's the Buffalo Bills in my eyes. But I don't know JB's opinion now, and I don't know Justin's opinion now. So let's hear it. I got the Bills. 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 Bills across the board. Yep. All right. Chiefs are my two. I got the Chiefs. 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 Switching up. The Dolphins. The Dolphins, Dolphins are my up. three. No, no, no. Dolphins are also my three. I say I was, that was that was that was that was separate. We just want power rankings. I was I was talking about record matters in power rankings, so like I have to put the Chiefs ahead of them. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. Me and Thomas both had the, right. Everyone had the Chiefs, right? Yeah, I I guess we said the Chiefs if if they had to go head head to head, but but if we just don't like power rankings as far as like like you know week to week these teams you know 
The Chiefs. No, 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 no. This is who you think. This is in your eyes. This is has in my eyes has nothing to do with the record. This is okay. who you think is Question. the yeah. better team. The better this team. Just, this ain't just standings. No, this is who you think is the better team. Everything comes into play for power rankings. There's nothing really. Like, we'll go with the Chiefs. Specific. But I think I think the matchup to go against the best team, the Bills. I think I I, I think that Miami is better suited for that. Okay. That's not the question. Who do you think the better team is? The Chiefs, right. That's what all we right. said. All right. So, so then we all have the Chiefs. Yeah. Okay. My three is the Miami Dolphins. Same. I'm also going Miami. Baltimore. I'll say Miami three. JB's got Baltimore. Uh, actually, Baltimore just got dethroned as my three spot. Give me Baltimore as my four. Dolphins. I got Titans at four. I think they're a much better team than the Ravens right now. I got Baltimore at four. Yep. Who? Who, Thomas? The Seeds. All right. Um, Bengals are my five. Mm-hmm. I got Ravens at five. I just cut them off the list because I'm not impressed by them whatsoever. But uh, I, I got them slightly over the Bengals just because, you know, Bengals don't have Chase right now, which makes it kind of hard. Yeah, I, I got I, I got Tennessee at uh, five, but I think fully healthy, right, if, if Chase was there, I'd probably go with the Bengals. Yeah. I, I think I'm going to go Chargers. Spicy. Get some receivers, man. I don't know who Herbert's throwing to this weekend. Well, that's fine. I just think that they're going to be better off long term. Oh yeah, I mean, I think any quarter, I think any team that has Justin Herbert will be great long term. But well, I no, I'm I'm saying like for the the rest of the season, I'm saying. I mean, you're talking Chase is going to oh. be up how many weeks? He's, uh, I mean, I think we should ask Will. Will seemed pretty heartbroken about that, that news. How many weeks? Yeah, I fucking was heartbroken about that. He's not on IR, so it's just kind of they're kind of they're playing it as week to week. They say it's probably going to be four. But still, if if we're talking like that middle tier of Chargers, Bengals, Titans, Jets, I take the Chargers every time. All right, there's our five for the AFC. The NFC is where we get juicy, fellas. This is where the spice always uh, – was mainly because it's fucking wide open as it can get. Um, but for my number one team, I have the Philadelphia Eagles. I also have the Eagles. Best team in football. Eagles. Justin. Uh. I'm going to go of. We lose you, Justin? If I had to guess, it's the Eagles. Give them a little bit to buffer. Justin? You're not switching up on us now, are you? You there? You got it? Yeah, I can hear you now. What'd you say? Who's your number one? Philly. We all got Philly? Yeah. We all got Philly. Yes, we all have Philly. Um. My number two is the Dallas Cowboys, which I, I made it clear I wasn't going to change. My number two is the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I'm going to guess there's going to be some different answers. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious. The Vikings, they're six and one. You know, their only loss is to the best team in the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, so I can't put the Cowboys there yet just because I don't trust their offense. Their defense has been great, but they've also played some. Their uh, the other their their defense has gone up against certain offenses I don't see fully respect yet. So I just feel like the Cowboys' offense is what's holding them back from me putting them at the number two spot. So it just you know Vikings are you know they they only have one loss and this is the best team. So I can't drop the Vikings yet. Completely agree with Thomas. Uh, yeah, Vikings too. Speaking of the Vikings, they are my three. I will I'm going to go with Dallas. Yeah, I'm going to roll with Dallas, but, like, I can see an argument made for the Niners or even the Seahawks, so. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Dallas, but uh, it was it's, it's a close one between Dallas and my next one. Yeah, like, like yeah, Dallas no. to me is in that, like, three to like three to five range. Like, they could, like, they're either, like, the third, second to third best team in the NFC or they're, like, the last, like, from, like, like the seeds, you know, like like, like a six seed, you know, like is there really that much of a difference between them and the Giants? I don't know. I don't think so. My fourth team is the 49ers. Niners. Yeah, I got Niners at four as well. Did we lose them again? Batteries are really good. Can you really? Justin, who's your fourth team? Uh, 49ers, yeah. Um, in my fifth team, they just got beat this week. Uh, but they got beat in, like, the toughest environment to play football. And they got beat by my sixth team. And I'm going with the Giants. Uh, I'm going to give them the edge over the Seattle Seahawks, mainly because I still have more faith in their coaching staff. Um, I think their defense is playing still very solid. I know that they just got beat pretty good by Seattle in Seattle, but that's always like the toughest place to play football. I still like the Giants more. Uh, I think on an even field, it'd be a great game. Yeah, I have a hard time putting the Giants over the Seahawks, knowing the Seahawks just beat them. I could never do that ever. So I, the Seahawks are a division leader. Um, I, I have to keep them here because, you know, they've, they've done very well up to this point, you know. Can't ignore that, and they just beat the shit out of the Giants, pretty much. Yeah, considering expectations, yeah. I mean, Seattle has definitely um overcome that. So yeah, Seattle's number five for me. I'm gonna go Giants. All right, there's our power rankings, spicy as always, and we're gonna finish the show off a very long episode for you guys. With our week nine predictions, I always set a timer for three minutes, but I'm going to give us three minutes and 30 seconds today because we do have four people. Thomas, do you think we beat it today? Mm, no. All right. Don't love the optimism here. <laughs> three minutes and 30 seconds starting now. Philly, Houston, I got Philly. 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 Going Philly. Uh, Colts at Patriots. Pats. Patriots. Pats. Pats. Green Bay at Detroit. I got Green Bay. Uh, Swift might not play. So Green Bay. I'm, I'm going to go Green Bay to play it safe. Uh, Green Bay. 
Chargers at Atlanta. Give me the Chargers. Give me Atlanta. Chargers. Chargers. Buffalo at New York. Give me Buffalo. 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 Minnesota at Washington. Give me Minnesota. Minnesota. Gotta go Minnesota. Minnesota. Carolina at Cincinnati. Give me Cincinnati. Cincy, but I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. It will. I agree. I'll go Cincinnati by a field goal. Cincy. Uh, Vegas at Jacksonville. Give me Vegas. Give me Jacksonville. The Raiders suck. Vegas. Miami at Chicago. Give me Miami. I'm going to go with uh, – no, nah, I'm kidding. You go with Miami. I got to go with the better quarterback. <laughs> That was a real asshole thing to do. Yeah, Miami. <laughs> JB. Miami. Miami. Seattle at Arizona. Give me Arizona. Arizona. Oh, I think this would be close. Um, I'm gonna say Arizona too. Uh, with the addition of uh, D Hop, considering how you know good they played last week against Minnesota. Well, you know for short period, but yeah, I'll go Arizona. Arizona. Rams at Tampa Bay. Give me Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. Cups a little banged up. Uh, I don't know. I'm going Rams. I'm going Rams. Take Tampa. that out of the I have a hard time seeing Brady going three and six, so I got to go Tampa. Um, Tennessee. At Kansas City, give me Kansas City. Kansas City, but this game will be a lot closer than people think. KC. KC, I was wrong. And the Monday night matchup, Baltimore versus New Orleans. Give me Baltimore. Baltimore, but if Michael Thomas plays, I might go New Orleans. Baltimore. All right, everyone going Baltimore, and we hit it in two minutes and 56 seconds. Didn't even need that extra 30 seconds, guys. It's because shit. Brett's not here. True. Brett takes 10 hours, and there's also like six teams on a bye this week, and we probably wouldn't have hit it with three more games. That's going to wrap up this week's episode of the Pinewood Perspective. Thanks to all of you guys tuning in. Thank you, JB, Justin, and Thomas for hopping on and talking ball as always. Peace. Peace.